Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon, the Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by FakeTeam.com. I am your humble host, Pete Rogers, joined, as always, by Jess Clark Barnes and Mr. Class, Jordan Smith. Guys, how are we doing on this delightful Wednesday night? Terrific. Doing great. T-freaking-rific. It's upsetting to me that that the NBA schedule keeps aligning. I mean, it's not upsetting because I very much enjoy these podcasts and I love talking with you guys. Um, but it always seems that there's an NBA as Celtics play Wednesday night and they're currently taking on the Cavs tied. The series is tied at two, two um, part of me is upset because I want to see that game. The other part of me is okay. Missing it and having an excuse to miss it because anytime I watch LeBron play, it just a rage builds inside of me that I can't quell. Uh, he he's just one of the most frustrating humans alive to watch play sports because uh, he you know he gets the calls and he's just a he's a physical being that doesn't exist on this earth. So because he's not on your team, R- right, right. I mean yeah. it's the same. It was the same way with like I would get pissed watching Kyrie and now I love it because Kyrie's on my team. But uh, no, but like he's just there's just no other human on earth that like rivals him in physic in size and in athletic ability on the court and you know it's just it's there are times where you just watch him and you're like, God damn it. Like only LeBron could do that. And of course he's doing that. So it's frustrating. So it's, it's a bittersweet moment for me because I'm glad I'm not watching that. Cause it just, it, it puts my blood pressure at a level that it shouldn't be, but I'm also <laughs> upset because the Celtics are tied two two and they're at home right now. And if they take this game, uh, maybe they're going to the finals. Who knows? So Pete coming off a of birthday, really need to watch that pressure. Now really need to watch that pressure. I know now that I'm 27, High blood pressure could do me in lickety split. All right. Talking about actual football. Oh, baby. Do we have a lot to talk about today? Big breaking news in the NFL. Get that bleep button ready myself because I'm the one who does all the bleeping. Uh, These dumbass in the NFL are furthering their descent into the worst professional sports league in the United States of America. Uh, Also, a major NFL injury has already shaken Clark to his very core. We have a big-time, game-changing trade that's gone down. Uh, And then finally, for the main event, we will be talking about our top bounce-back candidates for 2018. So there you go. If you are enticed right now, I I don't know what more we can give you. I'm aware of two of the three stories that we're going to be talking about tonight, apparently. We're getting back into (laughs) off-season mode where Clark learns all of his news through us. That's That's the best kind of podcast is when Clark is just as excited and just as engaged uh, with uh, with learning information as our listeners are. So, uh, without further ado, let us just jump right into the news. Uh, and the biggest thing on the bulletin, it came out today that the NFL has made an official ruling uh, uh, regarding anthem protests. Here is the quote. Uh, 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 it's, not an, it's not an anthem protest, Pete. What is it, Clark? Tell me. It, it is... 
where some players have chosen to protest the disproportionate violence perpetrated on a certain group in America during the national anthem in NFL games. I thought you were going to, I thought you were going to have like a speak from the mouth of the NFL there and make some snarky comment, but actually that was a very truthful comment. So Clark, I applaud you. (laughs) I am occasionally not a sarcastic (laughs) person. Um, Yes, that is, they have been dubbed anthem protests. They are not protesting the national anthem. Uh, They are protesting police brutality. Uh, The NFL, quote, called this a compromise. Um, So here's what, here is the compromise that they called it. Literally, that's what they tried to pitch it on. I love it. Uh, Players can protest the anthem by not coming out onto the field so they can sit in the locker room. But if they're out on the field, they cannot protest. They can do no sort of display. If they do, the team will get fined. So, Personally, on this right now, I find it hilarious that the NFL is selling this as a compromise because the NFL Players Association, shocker, was not at the meeting. Um, And normally, guys, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong here. I feel like a compromise is when two different parties discuss a resolution that is beneficial for both. Um, And it seems kind of impossible to achieve that if one of the parties just isn't there. Agreed? Yeah, this is just a, a forced compromise. They're like, well, this this seems okay. We're still going to let uh, people do what they want during the anthem, but only in the designated areas that we have provided. Only in the places that no one can see. Yes. So unless like a, a disproportionate amount of players on the teams just stay inside the locker room, not many people are going to miss. Um, who's are not going to be able to catch on to who's missing until like, literally after the game when uh, they're on sports center or what have you. And they're like, Oh, this person, this person, this person wasn't out on the field for uh, the national anthem. Were they in the tunnel because they were protesting? Were they in the locker room? Were they in the uh, medical area, just getting some last minute prep done? Who knows? It could have been for any one of those reasons. And it just waters down the point that these players who have decided to do this are trying to make. So, uh, things come up very often in this country as kind of like the day's news and everybody kind of splits off on which side they're on. And I feel like it's that divisiveness that's kind of brought us to the shitty political situation that we're in now to where everybody kind of chooses a team for every issue. And then we decide that we're on that team and that anybody who disagrees with us, it doesn't matter what the nuance of their conversation is. They disagree with us. And so we hate them. So we're going to yell at them about how wrong they are. And so the reason I get a lot of my news from the podcast is I've just dropped out of social media for the most part because I just there's a lot of vitriol out there and I don't need that in my life. And I'm much happier not being on Facebook, uh, watching people, you know, fight it out about whatever issue du jour it is. Uh, So I think the NFL is a private business and they can do whatever they want, but I don't want to talk about specifically the issue. I want to talk about the way that this issue has been handled and the way that this is just like everything else where it's just split along two sides. And it's so hard to have a conversation about what's going on. The NFL categorizing this as an anthem protest is like anti-abortion people saying they're against baby murder. They've, corrupted the arguments and started using language to where most people just hearing that language would agree with the one side when it's missing all of the nuance and all of the reason behind the issue. And it's so frustrating one that this happened. I mean, but like, this is just a stupid game. What's really frustrating to me is kind of where we've come to when we're talking about 
issues in our country and that that's something like this could could be so divisive i look at it as a protest against the unnecessary police violence so i don't even want to put a race or a color behind it but like we have a lot of policemen out there who are just fantastic and they are truly heroes not in the sense of heroes of like every third grade teacher is a hero but like truly heroes who risk their lives truly on our behalf and then there are also people in authority out there who are just absolute criminals that wear the same uniform. And it's disappointing that we're not having that discussion. And instead we're talking about players being given the option to stay in the locker room. And I have to give credit. And this is, uh, I gave credit on Twitter too, which was <clears throat> weird for me to weird for me to type this sentence out, but I gained a lot of respect actually for the jets uh, because pretty immediately after this, whole news broke uh the jets co-owner christopher johnson came out in a quote saying that he will pay all of the fines and will not kind of do not delegate any kind of punishment uh to his players he said uh, as a quote was i do not like imposing any club specific rules if somebody on the jets takes a knee that's fine that fine will be borne on the organization by me not the players i never want put restrictions on the speech of our players do i prefer they stand of course but i understand that they felt the need to protest there are some big complicated issues that we're all struggling with and our players are on the front lines i don't want to come down on them like a ton of bricks and i won't uh there will be no club fines and suspensions for any or any kind of repercussions so i have to give credit and i it seems like also the 49ers organization wasn't even a part of the vote and so it seems like while the NFL is kind of pushing this as like a unanimous, like this is a great compromise, we're all here for it. It does seem like there are some teams that are kind of like, ah, actually, we kind of we really like we respect what our players are doing and respect the, you know, the whatever I'm horrible person because I can't remember what amendment it is, but the second amendment? No, what's freedom of speech? The second one's good. It's the first one. The first one, Pete. I'm a trash American. Uh, the First Amendment and, you know, and let our players kind of speak out and we will we will deal with whatever kind of punishment the NFL wants to rule, especially since it's on a team level now. So I got to give I got to give if doing a very early kudos and kudos got to give kudos to the uh, Jets right there for for coming out with that statement pretty immediately. I've never said a disparaging or incendiary thing about the Jets in my life. Not on this podcast, not on Twitter. I've never said anything bad about the Jets, the New York football Jets. That's green. literally my existence is just giving them shit. So it was, it was, I had to swallow some of that, some of that to give them, give them their credit. Um, my last lament on this is the further just absolute bastardization of our language, calling this a compromise. This was a decision. It was a, it was, there's no compromise. You can't have a f-ing compromise if the other party isn't there. It was just the owners being like, oh, I think this will solve the issue. We're going to call it as a compromise. God damn it. It's really, it's frustrating. I saw a great tweet that was just like, Goodell's a GD coward because he's just the puppet for a bunch of old white racists. It's just a private business doing what they feel is best for their own private business, which is fine. It's also embarrassing for NFL fans. For me, sorry. It's embarrassing for me. I won't speak for a big group. It's It's also embarrassing for me. me. I think we can say it's embarrassing for the people on this podcast. Jordan's going to come out of nowhere and be like, are you kidding me? I love this shit. No, uh, definitely not. Definitely not. No. So anyway, so kudos to you, NFL. Yeah, hunking pile of feces. Um. Anyways, moving on in the news. Cue up the Michael Scott drop, you guys, because Hunter Henry is out for the season with a torn ACL. No, God. No, God, please, no, no, no. 
No! Oh, man. OTAs are the worst. So, Clark, obviously, since on our Slack channel, when this news dropped, you um, you seemed the most uh, disappointed and, and hurt. Uh, on a scale from I hate my life and everything that comes with it to moldy cheese in a baby's diaper, how are you feeling right now? I'm going to say, like, only one tortilla left and it's moldy. <laughs> If that makes sense. So like, first of all, this is a person and he's hurt and he's an athlete. So I really hope for a full recovery and all of that. I hope that's not lost in the fantasy talk. Now onto the fantasy talk. I was prepared to overdraft Hunter Henry in every league that I had this year. Every single league. And I'm so disappointed that I'm not going to be able to do that. Ugh. Yeah, his his stock skyrocketed when they decided they weren't going to bring back Antonio Gates. But for me, it's just... It's sad because I feel like there's just not a lot of good, solid tight end options. Like you feel pretty darn good about yourself if you have an, a really good team, but your tight end is really good in like the top five as well. And that's almost all there is is a top five. And I mean, can't forget Clark's right that these are like actual human beings and we hope for a speedy recovery. Luckily, um, tearing an ACL isn't like a death sentence anymore. No, but it is becoming way too common, and I'm and I'm starting to get worried about that. It definitely, like, we have, for the last three years, I feel like we've gone through OTAs and, like, you know, uh, voluntary workouts and, the, and whatever falls after training camp, I guess. And at least, like, five players tear their ACL during that. Yeah, ban the ACL. Ban the ACL. You know That's what? That will solve this problem. Ban just- it. If you have, if you are a, a five-year-old child and you show any kind of athletic prowess, they should just go and remove that shit. Get rid of that ACL. That way you can't tear it. What does the ACL even do? <laughs> I think it's just useless. It's like your, it's like your, not your kidney. What's the shit in your like the appendix? Your, your appendix. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You got to keep the kidney. Um, the chargers aren't ruling out an Antonio Gates reunion. Uh, so Jordan, I'll ask you this. Uh, does this, would, would Antonio Gates have any kind of fantasy value if you were to come back to, to the San Diego, I guess LA, damn it. I mean, Antonio Gates has just always been a solid, uh, touchdown red zone threat. So in that regard, I think he can still go out there and just box out defenders and go and grab some touchdowns with the, uh, San Diego, dang it. I already did it. Uh, the Los Angeles charger. Still weird. Still weird. Their receiving core, I mean, they're going to actually get some usage out of Mike Williams, and they still have Keenan Allen, who is one of my favorites in the league, that they'll be able to get that yardage in between the 20s. They just need uh, a good tight end like Gates who can, you know, close things off. I I think he can be productive yet. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with the dearth of tight ends that are out there. Yes, Antonio Gates can have value because he can accidentally fall into the end zone seven times and he'll finish tight end eight. That's what I I, I always love drafting a player who is just going to accidentally get points. It makes me feel really good about, uh, you know, about yeah, my, my and not to disparage Antonio Gates. You're amazing and you have had a Hall He's of a Fame Hall career. Of, yeah, it's just yes. now you're now you're a little old. Sorry. Oh, no. Sorry. Sorry, a little old, Antonio. Uh, but if you want to come on to the podcast and talk about your age, we haven't invited Please. anyone on the podcast in a long time. I, I was feeling like we needed to get some some fresh, you know, some new blood on the, on the show. Anyways, uh, we're getting to the news now that Clark had no idea. Big time trade, upsetting the entire NFL. You guys, time to take note of this for fantasy. Uh, the Jets. 
the aforementioned Jets that Jordan loves, his favorite team in the NFL, have sent Hard Christian enough. Hackenberg to, to the Raiders for a new laundry machine. So there you go. Uh, Clark is very disappointed in me for selling this as a monumental trade. He got all excited. I have been bamboozled. <laughs> they traded him like he was in semi-pro. Oh, my God. They just got rid of his ass because he's garbage. Um, the headline on Roto World was something like, the Jets trade the wasted pick of Hackenberg. <laughs> it was the most vicious headline I've seen, even from Roto World. He, like, has fun with this stuff. It was the meanest headline. He is just garbage. I couldn't stop laughing. He is just hot garbage. He's a, I, like, I don't know the guy. He's... He, Oh, I know him personally. He's a garbage human being. Okay, well. I keep seeing tweets like he was traded for a seventh round pick and everybody's like, wow, the Raiders got fleeced. <laughs> it's true. That was a great move by the Jets. The Jets just can't lose right now. They are they are on a win streak that is unparalleled in the NFL. Yeah, uh, fake team stats and information, breaking headline. Antonio Gates is one year older than me. Wow. So now, quickly, everyone, go do your research. We can find out how old Clark is. Disparaging his age. Antonio, if you want to come on the podcast and yell at Pete for not understanding things and his Bitcoin, I'd be happy to join you. <laughs> nothing, would, nothing would make Clark happier than to just have Antonio and him lecture the, the youth of today while drinking. This yeah, sounds... You used to be able to have a beer in your car. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> this, this sounds like a new podcast, a spinoff podcast of the RB1. It's just Clark and Antonio getting drunk and complaining about the world. Antonio Gates, I don't know how you are not on board with this. You're, you're the, already signed up for it. It's the happening. RB1901 podcast. <laughs> yeah. Taking it back pre-World War One. I'm in. Perfect. There it is. Uh, finally in the news, uh, Clark, if I were to tell you that a member of the Dallas Cowboys just dropped a flaming fire rap album. Who do you think it would be? This is unfair. I know the answer. Do you want to ah! Jordan? Jordan, do you know the answer? Uh, is it Cole Beasley? It is Cole Beasley. <laughs> oh no my way. God. Cole Beasley is evidently a dope ass rapper. I'm going to go to some music of his. I know no one expected this. Little Elm resident to get to the league. Now with the elephant, Dumbo picked up those that government is selling it. I mean, it's a move. I had it pale. PR is cool. He plays for the boy, so he'll peek then he threw in a week or a few. They get so excited, you biting, you rhyming, and rhythm you spitting, and hit perfect timing. I spaz in the booth. And I'm about to show you that I have in the truth. I practice in my room until there's gas in the tools. I'm not a pro, get my proactive a move. Everybody know that don't lag when it's view. It's grabbed and assumed by a path they assume that it's ass getting through. It's a laugh and it's news like the y'all. So evidently, he's been rapping bars for like a fair amount of his life and just dropped a, a rather dope album entitled the autobiography which when you're searching itunes or searching the internet to get it do not get it confused with the same titled ashley simpson beautiful work uh also she also did an album called autobiography so don't get those two confused but um yeah i'm i'm impressed that you guys knew this already cole beasley man who knew that that boy could rap I feel like if he's looking for other album titles, one could be the only thing I don't drop is passes. And then he drops it. <laughs> for the record, I didn't actually know he dropped an album. That was a random guess. I just tried to pick like the most absurd Cowboys most player. Absurd. Like if Jason Witten were still on the team, it would be him first and <laughs> foremost. But sure. I can see him dropping like a country album instead. Literally what I was going to say. I, yeah. I feel like that would chart. 
Even if that it would, was just absolute dreck. Instantly. It would chart instantly. Are you kidding me? All of all of Dallas would just be jamming to Jason Witten's country album. <laughs> with it Kelly be, Clarkson coming on one song. It would be such a hard time for me. I'm already surrounded by country <laughs> fans and cowboy fans. America, please don't do this to me. Jason Witten, it's happening. Uh, he'll be your guys' first guest on your uh, Clark and Antonio podcast. And you guys can <gasps> talk about country music. Oh, oh! You got so excited, but so upset. I want a side project, but I don't want a side project that hard. There you go. That's <laughs> got to keep your side projects realistic. Let's be honest. Uh, so there you go. There's your news in the NFL. Um, moving on. So we're going to talk now about our bounce back candidates for 2018. These are players who underperformed last year, who maybe kind of fell out of fantasy relevance. I know last week we did whole position groups. Uh, that might come into fantasy relevance and fall out of fantasy relevance. We figured this week that we uh, would bring it down to the specific player, since ultimately you're drafting uh, names as opposed to just giant position groups. So here, I think we each have about two guys who we think Clark, I think has a billion, but he's going to have to rein it in at some point. Uh, he's got so many side projects that he can't, he can't put himself this invested in every single one. Uh, <clears throat> so let's start off. Jordan, give us your first bounce back candidate for 2018. Uh, well, my first bounce back candidate, I don't know if you can really essentially call him a bounce back candidate because it's hard to say he was ever really there as a top quarterback in the NFL. But I'm going with Jameis Winston um, just because I feel like the, the entire Bucks offense, there's really nowhere to go but up. Um, Winston actually had his highest completion percentage last year. It was hovering around 64%. Um, but he's never gone a season where he hasn't thrown double digit interceptions. Uh, his, he had 19 touchdowns and 11 picks last year. If he can clean that up a little bit and find, uh, you know, a great receiver by the name of Mike Evans, a few more times during the season, uh, they might have a capable running game this year then I can see Jameis having a bounce back and finally possibly being that quarterback that we always thought he could be with the number one overall pick. Yeah, I like it. Uh, all of the problems that Jameis Winston had in college that people were worried about him bringing to the NFL, he has. He has a lot of talent. He's got an amazing arm. Can absolutely bring a team back from the brink, but puts his team at the brink a lot. Uh, so one of the players that I like to bounce back this year that I'll just go ahead and go over oh, just, really quickly is Jackson because yeah. I, I think that I think Jameis Winston is really good and I think we expect quarterbacks to develop a little too fast and I think we've seen him get better and better and better and so that we are just waiting for him to break out and I think might as well be this year I like that pick. Man, we are just all in on the Bucks this year because my first break or my first. My first bounce back candidate is the aforementioned Mike Evans, uh, who obviously was a big disappointment this past year. Uh, he finished wide receiver 20th, only had five touchdowns. And honestly, when I was doing research for this, it's absurd to even utter these words, but I kind of totally forgot about him. I was just like, oh, shit, Mike Evans was good once, yeah. but he's an thousand afterthought. Yard, thousand yards and five touchdowns down here. I know, right? It's absurd, but he's he's an afterthought no longer. First off, uh, Evans has made a tradition of going from really freaking good to rural bad every other season. So his rookie year, he posted 12 touchdowns, and then he had three the next, 12 in 2016, then five this last year. So clearly he's in line for another 12-touchdown season this coming year. Um, but more than that, what's the most important unity in all of fantasy sports, it's not immunity, 
and it's not importunity, and it's not inner community. It's opportunity, you guys. Uh, Evans has yet to have a season where he's been targeted under 120 times, and is like Clark said, he's yet all seasons he's had at least a thousand yards. So he even even at his worst, he's a wide receiver too. Um, but at his best, <clears throat> he's the best wide receiver in football uh, from a fantasy standpoint. And I think. Like Jordan already said, I think Jameis takes the step forward, and I think Evan returns to to big boy dominance, and he's currently going at the back end of the second round. And I think that you could even – I think that value could even get pushed down a little bit, especially if there's a run on those running backs early. Um, and if you're getting Mike Evans at the end of the second, maybe beginning of the third, I like that value a lot because I, I think that he is someone who people might have forgotten about who could come back in a big way this next this coming season. Yeah, the good news is that Mike Evans can fall ass backwards into a thousand yards over the season. Exactly. The bad news is it's the same thing with Winston. He only had 19 touchdowns last year, and Mike Evans is only going to get a fraction of that. So the offense as a whole, I don't know if it was like a hard knocks curse or something like that, but they just need to get better overall. And for Mike Evans, I feel like it's the same. You can really only go up. Which the hard knocks curse, if that exists, does not bode well for the Cleveland Browns since they are already the most cursed franchise in the NFL. And, and if they have to deal with another curse, maybe the two curses cancel each other out, though. And maybe this is the year. <laughs> it's a double negative. It's, it's a just... double negative. Exactly. Um, Clark, do you want that Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Jackson to count as your first one? Or do you actually have another no. one that you want to you throw out there? No, he was my honorable mention. Uh, the first bounce back that I'm going to talk about is somebody that I've been hyping for three years. Uh, Sammy Watkins. Oh, had, shocker. <laughs> had 70 catches last year and finished as the wide receiver 40. The only person to have as few of catches and do better was Ted Ginn jr. Who ended up as the wide receiver 32. This is all PPR. Uh, when Sammy Watkins was the wide receiver one in LA, he was great. Those were the big games he had when Robert Woods missed. So I think he can still run all the routes. I think that, Sean McVay did a great job of going where people thought they weren't going to go with the ball. So Sammy Watkins was a big lure to hang out there while they threw underneath, got a lot of stuff to Todd Gurley. Now we have Sammy Watkins going to Kansas City where Pat Mahomes, if he brings what we thought about him in college to the NFL, Gunslinger likes to throw it deep. You know, if the guy's one-on-one, he's open. And I think Sammy Watkins showed last year, he still has the skills. Watkins played, I mean, He played 15 games. He missed week 17 because everyone on the Rams missed week 17, but he made it through the year healthy. That's always been our big concern with him. And a team went out and got him. And I'm really excited about what he could do this year. And I think, again, I think it's nice for him. Obviously, on the Rams, like you were saying, he was at his best when he was the wide receiver number one. Um, But I do think. And for, for listeners, that's Jordan moving. That is not. Oh, sorry. That's not me. Does Jordan have like leather talking. leather sheets? So he's just like. Uh, <laughs> um, I think I think Sammy Watkins. I think he'll help having uh, someone like Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. I think the three levels that those guys all operate in are going to be great. Uh, I think Tyreek Hill obviously operates kind of right around the line of scrimmage. I mean, he makes plays downfield, but he's someone you get the ball in his hands quickly and he's, and he's then going to make plays. Uh, Travis Kelsey kind of operates in that kind of middle of the field slash, you know, whatever five to 15 yards past the line of scrimmage. And then Sammy Sammy Watkins is going to be that big play over the top guy. And I could see the chiefs offense being able to like correctly utilize him and, like you said, 
Clark, uh, he was what wide receiver 40 this year. Yeah. Uh, and so a bounce back, even if he's like wide receiver 20 and up, I would consider that a bounce back. And that's, that's someone who's bringing like, you know, wide receiver two value, uh, to your team. Yeah, I think you can you can get Sammy Watkins a little bit lower in the draft that you might be considering him for a flex position even by that point. But I hope they use him a little bit like just the Texans, how they use DeAndre Hopkins. Just throw it up to the man and let him go use yeah. those massive hands to bring the football down. Yeah, you're right, Jordan. He's going off the board at ADP of 33, according to Fantasy Football Calculator. So he is a late-round guy. You don't have to waste a third round pick on him and hope that he returns to glory. He, you can draft him as not even a starter and potentially get a, a starter, top ten, top twenty wide receiver. That's super smooth. That's a that's a that's a good take right there, Clark. Good job, uh, Jordan. Who's your second breakout candidate for this year? Um, so my second breakout candidate is not contingent on ability because we know he still has it. It's who his quarterback is going to be for the season. And my my guy is T.Y. Hilton. If all if all directions are pointing yeah. towards yes for Andrew Luck coming back, we'll see T.Y. definitely bounce back from having his worst year since he was a rookie. He had uh, 57 catches, under 1,000 yards, and only four touchdowns. I, just when you thought T.Y. Hilton was turning more into that all-around uh, receiver, not just a guy that can burn you deep, Luck goes down and you got Jacoby Brissett throwing you touchdown passes. So – by virtue of just having Andrew Luck back and with Frank Reich coming in there, he's kind of a an offensive-minded guy. I just feel like T.Y. Hilton could definitely have a, a bounce back just by purely having a quarterback who knows how to throw the football well. Yeah, I'm glad I had several guys here because T.Y. Hilton <laughs> was one of my guys. Uh, I'm a huge Texans fan, so I watched the AFC South really closely. T.Y. Hilton is kind of pegged as a small fast wide receiver and he was when he was younger but now he is just a fantastic wide receiver he's kind of that antonio brown phylum to steal a phrase from chris harris he's a fantastic wide receiver and last year he got 966 yards so under a thousand but so close as you mentioned with jacoby Brissett, and not to disparage jacoby Brissett, but he's a backup quarterback right Everything around him was terrible, and T.Y. Hilton still almost got you a 1,000 yards. I'm assuming that Andrew Luck is playing this year. I've just decided that I'm not going to bother with a conversation. And so T.Y. Hilton in the third is just – I'm taking him everywhere I can get him. Dope. Yeah, no, I agree. He's someone – you forget that – I mean, just – it was just what? 2015 last year was 20 no we're in 2018 2014 he was the 11th wide receiver in ppr in 2016 he was fifth there you go that's what i was looking for yeah so he can i mean he can put numbers up with the best of them and and both of you have alluded to this already that yeah the the general perception of of ty hilton is that he is this burner and that if he's not getting big passes downfield that he's not doesn't have any value uh, but we saw in that 2016 season and we've seen him develop into an all-around receiver uh, someone who can run every route and and have success under and and get separation, and yeah, if you can put together a good season with Jacoby Brissett, uh, here's to hoping that a healthy Andrew Luck comes back and then you're able to like truly capitalize on on all that he brings to the table. Yeah, I mean, he had like a decent year last year. Despite that, I mean, he put up maybe wide receiver two numbers, but with where he was drafted last year, possibly first round, second round, you 
you want a little bit more than that. Right. So I, I think you'll get more bang for your let's, buck. Let's tie this back to Jordan's uh, favorite pick that the Colts made, Quentin Nelson. Uh, now they've yes. got an offensive line that'll give Luck some time to rip it, grip it and rip it downfield. Uh, so now T.Y. not only can run all the intermediate routes, uh, but his downfield success might be a little more uh, improved given Luck has more time now with yeah. the best offensive lineman in the world in front of him. And one more thing before we move on. Uh, Jordan, you mentioned it. Where Hilton was drafted versus where he finished, that stuff sticks with people. There will at least be one person in your league who did that. And then there will be a few other people in the league that were thinking about it and saw it. So, yeah, he finishes the wide receiver 27, but he was drafted so early. And that's that kind of, to me, is what makes a true bounce back player is somebody who was drafted early last year, underperformed. And then this year, people are going to overcorrect and draft him too late. And that's where you can really swoop in and have some risk, but really get paid off. But capitalize. Yep. I like it. Yeah. We've all been spurned by that player that we draft in the first or second round and they, they go Hunter Henry and end up tearing an ACL in preseason. And then the next year we're like, Oh, I remember this. This left a bad taste in my mouth. So I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. And now you should have grabbed him up in like the third. Oh yeah. Like uh, me with Todd Gurley, Todd Gurley, 2016 gave me absolute shit. So this year I was like, not touching Todd Gurley. And then what do you know? Todd Gurley just rips off an MVP season. And I'm like, you son of a bitch. So my second uh, bounce back player is someone I wanted to go a little bit off the beaten path. And this is someone who's never really been, who's never really had fantasy dominance or at any point, but has certainly had fantasy value. Uh, And he's someone who I think is going to return to that. And that's Tevin Coleman. Uh, he rushed for in 2016, he had 520 yards and eight touchdowns while catching 31 balls for 421 yards and three touchdowns. And the big thing that dropped off between 2016 and 2017 was his touchdowns and his yards and his reception yards. Um, he had five touchdowns on the ground this year and then under 300 in the passing game this year as well. I don't think Coleman is going to replace Devonta Freeman, who I also think people are underrating. But I do think he's going to be more involved in the Falcons offense this year, especially in the passing game. I just the NFL is a copycat league. And given the success that the Saints had with their two running backs, I just think more teams with talent with two talented running backs are going to emulate that two headed attack. Honestly, all Coleman needs is just like a couple more touchdowns and touches in the passing game. And we're talking about a top 15 running back. He was RB 23. Oh, sorry. No. Oh, damn, I didn't write it down. He's currently RB23. He's currently going in the fifth round. Um, and I think he was like RB, he might be in the 40s uh, this this past year. So I just think he's someone that had fantasy relevance in 2016 uh, and I think could return to that and return onto the onto the fantasy radar this year. One of the stronger running back handcuffs in the league that you can draft and not in case Devontae Freeman gets hurt, but somebody that you can actually plug in and play on a week when you might be short or running back on a particular buy. Um, I think the biggest drop off to me with the Falcons though, from 16 to 17 was Kyle Shanahan. Right. Last year, the Falcons, they had all the same tools relatively. It's just, you could kind of tell that they were, learning and dealing with a different offense. Uh, Matt Ryan didn't necessarily look MVP Matt Ryan. It'd be hard for him to duplicate his 2016 season, but I think things will be a little bit different this year um, with a a healthier Devontae Freeman with one of my favorite prospects, Calvin Ridley coming in and helping out that offense. And 
in a, a longer stretch, I think it helps when the, the defenses improve. So I think the Falcons defense will take another step forward this year compared to last. So no, <gasps> no, don't Tevin why. Coleman is not that good. Damn it. He's really fast. <laughs> and when he played with an offensive coordinator, that was really good at getting him in space and he was coming out of college where he was really fast and that made him dominant. We got really excited about him. This guy runs into the back of his blockers a lot. He can't cut like Devontae Freeman. He's just he's not as good as Devontae Freeman, so he's just not going to get the workload. And that's why I love that he exists because it's just a pick that someone takes in the fifth or sixth round that just pushes talent back to me. See, I don't I don't think that he's I don't think he's at all on Devonta Freeman's level, but I think that he is a weapon that uh that the Falcons are going to realize that they need to implement more coming out of the backfield. And especially with Devonta Freeman getting older and because he's a smaller back who takes a lot of hits. Not that that's a bad thing, Clark. He's a he is a he is a put together well-built man who can who can deal with the hits. Um but I think that's something that they're going to be cognizant about. Devontae Freeman, like everyone that's alive is getting older. Yes. Devontae Freeman's 26. Stats yeah. and inf- fake teams, stats and information. Stats and information. That is a full, a full year younger than me, and, and look how old I am. So this is one we should write down because we usually can agree with each other or at least yes. see where the other person's right. coming from. We'll but this is one where I just – I don't really like – I mean, like, I don't know the guy. He's a great football. <laughs> like, all these guys are amazing athletes, but he, he's just – He's not that good. All right, Clark. He's behind someone who's fantastic. All right, Clark. Beer bet. I will. I will bet you a beer that Tevin Coleman finishes the season a top seventeen running back in fantasy. I'll. I'll take it. Boom. There it is. Any uh, format. Jot. You know. Any format. Take your pick. Jot that down in your notes and suck it. <laughs> yeah. Um. But anyways, so there you go. Uh, Clark, give us one of your numerous, and if not, you can just rattle them all off now. You're, you're last to go. That's give us right. your bounce so, back candidates. I'll, so I can uh, just disagree with all of them and tell you how stupid you are. Good. We're going to do, do hot take Mike and Mike style. I'll ah, say something, yes. and then you tell me why I'm wrong. It'll be great. Rip you apart. Thebes will eat it up. Uh, so start the, start the Jeopardy music. We're going to do a little audience participation for this. Uh, this offense finished 31st in rushing yards last year but in the three previous years starting with 2014 they finished 6th 13th and 13th what offense are we talking about Cincinnati Bengals nailed it oh (laughs) actually it's who are the Cincinnati Bengals damn it Jordan (laughs) wins Jordan wins Winning on a technicality, the best way to win. Uh, yes, the only way I know how. <laughs> so Joe Mixon was a part of a Bengals team that learned that offensive line is indeed important and that you need to pay the offensive line. So I don't feel like the Bengals did enough of this offseason to give themselves a fantastic offensive line, but they spent a lot of assets to try to fix it. And last year, they were hanging out with the Texans down there at the bottom of the league with one of the absolute worst offensive lines. Despite that, Giovanni Bernard is just fantastic, and I can't wait for him to be on his next team because the guy that's going to get the number one role is Joe Mixon, who looks good even on that horrible team when he got time. 
everybody's worried about Joe Mixon's, you know, character concerns, which were legitimate coming out of college, but we didn't see anything last year when he was out there on the field. He looked electric. He could catch, he could cut. He's fantastic. And I think that he's going to be a part of the kind of rising tide that lifts all boats there in Cincinnati. So Joe Mixon going in the second or third round right now, and I'm taking him everywhere. Yeah, no, I think that's a big one because especially you you mentioned obviously the the you know the fact that they have had successful run games in the past, but even more so, I mean they they invested heavily in the offensive line this offseason and in the draft, and that can go a long way when you have a talented running back back there who is hampered because he just didn't have holes. Even if you even if you they drafted uh, they drafted a center right, uh, I forget what his name is. Yeah, yeah, but some yeah, guy, doesn't some matter. guy, some bro, offensive some line guy, doesn't some matter. Guy out of Ohio State though, so he's a the Big Ten lineman. Right. You know he's good, right? So you know he's good. Uh, but even if he like if that guy blows open two more holes a game than were open last time. Joe Mixon is going to be able to capitalize and you're going to get your, uh, you're going to get production from him. Yeah. And speaking of referencing people on Twitter that you can't remember, some guy did a cut up of Cincinnati's center, just getting oh, absolutely God. manhandled like over and over and over. And it was, it was no wonder they couldn't do it. like, I don't think Andy Dalton's great, but when just some tackle is getting, unabated pressure up the middle no 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 one's gonna can do no anything. offense is gonna have success yeah, yeah. no that's yeah. it that's a good one i so i drafted joe mixon in a dynasty league last year so i was watching him pretty closely um i think the bengals they kind of suffered from should have started joe mixon at running back a lot sooner in the season and they would have been better for it um i like that the bengals invested in offensive line help uh with cordy glenn and then by some might say just a draft or reaching to draft a first round center but billy they're like, price hey, yes, nailed it billy price they they knew they had a hole and they knew they had to fix it he was probably not the best player on the board at all at that point but i mean if you, if you need a center I, I like that cincinnati just went out and just trusted themselves enough to go grab and patch up that offensive line more yeah. It's only a reach if he busts. I mean, if you draft a guy that you need that starts for you for seven years, it. I mean, it doesn't matter where you took him. Yeah. Or he could be Travis Frederick. Like, yeah, you, you know? could you <laughs> could draft the best center. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Clark, do you have any more for us? No, I'm just furiously working with stats and information to see where Joe Mixon is going. He's going early third round, so I feel like his ADP is staying suppressed. So that's going to be a great team if you can start with, like. Love Bell or David Johnson, then and come back and get Mike Evans, and then get Joe Mixon going the other way. Like you're going to yeah. be able to have a pretty solid team through three rounds early that's, this year. That's pretty, uh, especially since and people forget this. Never forget going into last year, Joe Mixon. I wrote an article actually. Let's reference myself. Let's talk about me more. Uh, I wrote an article that was talking about all of the different rookie running backs coming in because there was such a big class of them last year. And I and I had a poll at the bottom that was like which running back. Who's going to be the who's going to who has the best chance of being the best back, the best fantasy back out of this group? And hands down, Joe Mixon was voted. And I think actually I might have even included Leonard Fournette in that. I don't remember. But anyways, the point being is that everyone was really high on Joe Mixon and his talent going into last year. And I feel like that, like Clark has said, has been kind of suppressed and people are kind of like, well, maybe we were wrong. And they're attributing it more to Joe Mixon's talent than to actually the Bengals' offensive talent. And now that the Bengals have improved their offensive line and have just kind of, you know, have a year to kind of make Joe Mixon be their starter, the incumbent starter, 
uh, I think that that you could see a lot of production from from Mister Mixon. Yeah, in that aforementioned dynasty league, I remember sitting in my draft and I was agonizing at my pick over Kareem Hunt and Joe Mixon, oh, and oh, for like ten harsh. to twelve weeks, I was really upset about my at myself for for drafting Joe over Kareem. But I think in the long run, Joe Mixon might be either up at that level or might surpass Kareem Hunt. We have yet to see, but mm, that's a bold it, statement. It felt better towards the end of the year, of course. Fair. That's fair. I like both of those guys a lot. Yes. Now, obviously, last year, in hindsight, I would have taken Kareem Hunt, but we don't get to play in hindsight. So yes. this last year's crop of running backs is pretty was pretty insane. Like, I feel I need to I need to get onto my uh, my stats horse and write up an article and, and do some research as to figuring out if it was the the best fantasy production from a single group of rookie running backs uh in nfl history or since whenever fantasy started because it really well because though every almost every running back that came in at, in that draft produced at a pretty high level in fantasy which is which is very impressive i mean you have it was leonard Fournette, uh christian mccaffrey alvin Kamara, uh kareem hunt uh joe mixon had some middling success uh who else so those yeah, first Dalvin four you mentioned his acl those first four you mentioned all finished in top 10 in PPR. And that's with Alvin Kamara, not really starting until right. what, like week five or so. Or that's with Kareem Hunt doing. going through an epic swoon in the middle of the season. And then Fournette finishing last of the group. I mean, of course, I do PPR stuff, but of course PPR Leonard Fournette finishing as 10. Like that's still really good. Yeah. That's a top 10 running back. You're going to take that. Christian McCaffrey finishes nine with 435 rushing yards. My God, what a season. He's just a wide PBR. receiver. He's a wide receiver. The running back position is back. Like I've been saying oh, yeah. this for like the past year and a half. Yeah. Two of the best running backs last year, Dalvin Cook and David Johnson, didn't even play. So I think we're seeing a, a renaissance with just how these running backs are being used. They're all going to be more of the Alvin Kamara type david johnson pass catcher slash run between the tackles type of back it's back so even though i'm not a huge this is the draft strategy you should use last year when everyone abandoned running back and everyone was picking wide receivers early because zero rb was the thing now it is completely swung back in the other direction and there's nine or ten running backs going in the first round now is the time that you do the zero rb strategy yes now AJ the Green's going in the second round. I was just Keenan Allen. I mean, my goodness, there's so much wide receiver talent going so late this year. So much. And you've got to capitalize on that. Yeah, you've got to. If you're in a position to get one of those top running backs, snag them and then just like draft wide receivers for your next three rounds. That's that is that's my plan is to like if I get a top whatever six draft pick. Take one of those top five running backs, and then I'm taking wide receivers in round two, three, four. Just like I'm, I'm picking up all of the remains that that people are leaving stupidly behind. I have, a top four. Ransom. I have a top yeah. four. I don't care which one between Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley, uh, Le'Veon Bell, and David Johnson. Yeah, I don't care which one I get. Outside of that, I'm going Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, something early because I know I'll be fine coming back or waiting. Boom. So there you go. There's some bounce back candidates for you heading into 2018 and a bonus beer bet that no one had planned. Um, but yes, but now there is a lot riding on Tevin Coleman. So don't let me down. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB1 podcast and find us on iTunes, 
like, subscribe, rate, give us all of that good stuff. Uh, you can also, if you're not an Apple person, if you are more of the lean windows, uh, then you can find us on Stitcher as well. Rate, review, download, all of that jazz. You can follow myself at PM Rogers, follow Clark at NFL Clark, follow Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27 on the Twitter sphere. We are all so happy to talk and engage with you on, on the interwebs. Uh, we'll be back at you next week for some delightful discussion. Who knows what yet, but we will be there. And Tevin Coleman is going to be a top 17 running back. See you next week. Peace. why i wave for the <laughs> podcast <laughs> like goodbye goodbye everyone i've heard where i talk over pete at the end and that's not good so i'll just wave i'll just wave goodbye for the podcast because that's how that works well podcast is a visual medium everyone knows that apparently <laughs>